All right, we'll go ahead and just bow our heads real quick and, and uh, go to the Lord in prayer for just a minute. Lord, we want to thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I pray that you would bless uh, Pastor McMurtry, the family, and God, just this church, this ministry, Lord. And God, I pray that you would just use me tonight, Lord, to be a blessing. Uh, God, that, that someone can take something away from this sermon. And, and Lord, it can, it can guard us against a, a lot of... A lot of bad that can happen in our lives, Lord. But just please be with the, the service. Be with the preaching, Lord. And God, just uh, just empower us, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. And uh, let us preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, there's uh, falling out here. All of the, the change things. I guess it wants me to give it change. But again, I do appreciate it. Uh, there's some things. I sat in on the, the choir practice uh, prior to the service. And, and I figured out a couple of things. Number one, I figured out I can't sing, right? And I mean, I, I knew I couldn't sing, but it just made me feel worse, right? I was actually seeing, like, the mechanics of why I can't sing. And then secondly, I found out you need to give this man a raise, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. This man's going to run aisles here. But I'm being honest, I told my wife, and, you know, not, not you know, blowing, I'm preaching on humility, not trying to blow, blow his head up and uh, uh, be a, a stumbling block, but... I told her it is wonderful to see someone uh, that takes uh, their job, their responsibility seriously, and, and it was just wonderful to see. So you guys sounded good. Uh, I, I didn't participate, so I didn't want to make you sound bad. So, But anyway, all right, I'm going to pre- preach on humility. Uh, keep your place in James throughout the, the duration of the sermon. We'll go to a couple of different places. But uh, the reason I preach this sermon is because I've witnessed pride be a very destructive force in a lot of people's lives. People that have been very close to me, people that I've loved and, and, and cared about, and I've seen pride destroy their lives. In my, in my personal life, I've seen uh, people that I love, prides destroy their lives. Pride, I've seen pride destroy churches. I've seen pride uh, uh, cause people not to get saved, not to be receptive to the gospel, because they were so proud they didn't want to listen to the gospel and to be receptive. I've seen great preachers are a shell of what they used to be. Why? Because they've allowed pride to come in their life. I've seen churches split. I've seen people hurt over pride. And folks, none of that gives glory to God. A bunch of prideful Christians, they're going to destroy themselves. And the devil just sits back and laughs, doesn't he? When we exercise pride and and we uh, get in all sorts of contentions and strifes and you get one prideful person uh, going against another prideful person, the devil just sits back and laughs, folks. The world will shy away from that kind of Christianity. Christianity is full of pride. It leaves a bad taste in their mouth. Pride is so destruction that it's going to creep into your, your lives, it's going to creep into your marriages, and you won't even know it. And we need to guard ourselves against pride. We need to be humble, folks. One thing, if someone wrote something on my grave, on my gravestone, I want them to write that I'm humble. I really do. I want them to write that I had humility. You know, I was thinking about uh, uh, the discussion a lot of the people are having about, you know, eschatology and all these other things. I saw that you did a, a, uh, a conversation about soteriology. I actually knew what that word was. I was impressed with myself, right? I looked it up twice, right? (laughs) But, you know, the thing about it is, and there's nothing wrong with knowledge, nothing wrong with with getting in the Bible and understanding what the Bible's saying, nothing wrong with that at all. And it's something that I would encourage you to do. But Paul said, even though if I I could speak with the tongues of men and angels, he said, if I could speak 10,000 different tongues in different languages and I have all knowledge and understand all mysteries, and he said, I have not charity, he said, I'm nothing. I mean, you get lifted up with pride no matter uh, how smart you are or, or what you understand, you're going to be destroyed. And the Bible says that you're nothing. 
You're nothing. We need to guard against that. Go to Second Chronicles chapter number 33. I want to show you just a few examples of what humility can accomplish. And I think after this uh, sermon, I think that everybody is going to go home and on their on your ride home, your car ride home, you're going to think, hey, do I have pride in my life? Because I want to be a humble person. Saul, I'll give you a couple examples while you're going there. Saul. In 1 Samuel 15, verse number 16, as I mentioned this morning, I've been reading, you know, just in my Bible reading, that's kind of where I'm at. But I was thinking about King Saul. Let me read these couple of verses for you. 1 Samuel 15, 16 and 17 says, Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. Now, all of us here, hopefully we know the story of King Saul. Whenever Samuel chose Saul to be king over Israel and he goes to anoint him, he's he's a very humble guy. And he says, me, you know, he's like, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. My family's nothing. Paul or I'm sorry, Saul had a lot of humility whenever he was first anointed king. But ultimately, he got lifted up with pride. He started disobeying God. And we saw that the kingdom was rent from him. He winds up uh, dying on the battlefield, losing his entire family. Why? Because of pride. For pride. Rehoboam, Second Chronicles 12, 12. It says, and when he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him. Hezekiah, in Second Chronicles 32, 26, it says, notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his own heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them. In the days of Hezekiah. So if you do a word study uh, talking about people humbling themselves, hey, God has mercy on people that humble themselves. God gives a lot of grace and even even foregoes the wrath that's coming upon them if they could just exercise some humility. Now, you're in Second Chronicles 33, verse number one. Let's read about Manasseh. Manasseh, this is Hezekiah's son. He says was 12 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned fifty and five years in Jerusalem, but did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down, and he reared up the altars for Balaam, and made groves, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever." And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also, he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Now, I mean, thus far, I mean, can we say Manasseh's a great guy? Man, this, this, he's one of the worst of the worst, folks. Look at verse number 7. And he set a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God. This guy is putting an idol in church. Look what he says. Of which God had said to David and Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. So again, this guy's all into child sacrifice. He's all into uh, all sorts of idolatry. Hey, he's setting up uh, all of these idols, all of these altars to these idols. Hey, in the outer court and even in the house of God. He's a very wicked person dealing with wizards and familiar spirits. And I mean, the guy is probably one of the worst kings uh, that's listed as far as the kings of Judah. He was a pretty bad guy. Look at verse number 10. And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. 
Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captain of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, look what the Bible says, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem and into his kingdom then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. So we see in these examples that it cost Saul the kingdom. It cost him his family. Pride did. Pride cost Rehoboam half the kingdom. Pride would have destroyed Hezekiah. Pride would have destroyed Manasseh. And those men that humbled themselves, they found mercy. And those men that did not humble themselves, they found destruction. But we read about Manasseh, how bad of an individual he was. And I would dare say that there's no one in here that's as bad as Manasseh, right? And if Manasseh could get a second chance from humility, I think it's worth our efforts to think, you know what? I'm going to be humble in my Christian life. Go back to James chapter number 4. Boy, if we saw him now, we'd reprobate him in a heartbeat, wouldn't we? We'd reprobate him. We'd get on there. We'd post all sorts of comments. We'd find out his YouTube channel. We'd make 48 troll accounts. We'd be on, you know. But, you know, I, I mean, I've heard it a, a couple of different ways. Manasseh got saved. I heard that, that, that he's been saved. I've heard it preached that. I've heard it preached just that he recognized that God was the one true God and he got rid of all the idolatry. Regardless of what, the man got a second chance because of humility. He got pulled out of Babylon. He was bound in chains and fetters, right? And he got pulled out of Babylon. Out of that affliction, it caused him to humble himself. By the way, if you get lifted up with pride, God has a way of knocking you down a peg. And you need to be thankful for that. You can look at the affliction. You might get be, be drug off to Babylon and put in fetters, but that might be the best thing for you because God knows that pride is going to destroy you. I often think to myself sometimes whenever we pray, we, on Wednesdays, we take prayer requests and, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, hear about who's sick or whatever and we'll pray, you know, God, please heal this person or whatever. But, you know, it might be God's will that that person's sick. It might be God's will that that person is going through some trials, some tribulations. Because maybe that's what they need in their life. Maybe they are prideful. Maybe they have some other issues that God's wanting to resolve. Hey, and God is allowing that affliction to come upon them because they need to draw close to God. So I'm not saying that I don't pray for people to get healed. But I always pray, God, according to your will. You know, we're asking for healing, but sometimes we ask for dumb things, right? James chapter number 4. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Now, if it's telling me to humble myself, that sounds like something that I can do. Something that I can take charge of. Something that I can try to accomplish in my life. Folks, you can achieve humility. It's not like, oh, this is a humble guy, and this guy's, oh, he's just an arrogant guy. No, it's something that you can achieve. Go to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. You can achieve humility. How can you stay humble? And I, I was thinking about this again because it's so destructive. I've seen preachers, I've seen ministries just go down the tubes, go down the drains. Why? Because the, the, the preachers eat up with pride, goes down the drains. Churches are a shell of what they used to be. They've lost their influence. Nobody wants to, to, to have anything to do with some of these ministries. Why? Because of pride. 
And pride will destroy this church. You know what? It'll destroy your family. It'll destroy this church. It'll destroy your pastor. Right? How do we stay humble? I was thinking about this, and I, 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 again, some of these are my own opinion, but these are some things that I, that I try to do to stay humble. You say, well, Pastor Fritz, I don't think you're that humble. Well, you're not God, so how about that? <laughs> Number one, confess our sins. To take ownership of your sins and your failures. You mess up. You're not perfect, right? Your feet stink. Right? That's what we say in the South, right? Confessing your sin to God will cause you to recognize your failures before God. I said it this morning. I'll say it again. Keep short sin accounts. When you mess up, hey, be able to admit that you've messed up. When you wrong your brother or sister in Christ, be willing to admit that. Don't hold that in. Don't think that you're right all the time. You're not. You mess up. You're a human being, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, except for me, right? Except, after I, except for the members of Liberty Baptist Church, right? But a lack of confession and, and when we start justifying our sin, you get at a squabble with somebody and you start justifying yourself every little squabble that you're in. And let me tell you something. If you, if you wake up in the morning, this is a saying in the South, I'm trying to acclimate you all to the South, right? Well, the South where it doesn't get dark at 4.30, right? And it's not, you know, there's a couple of ladies walking around before the service and it, and. and like, what are you all doing? They said, we're walking around for health. I was like, man, this kind of weather, we put a coat on and a blanket and an afghan and we're in the recliner with a pot of coffee, right? <laughs> the climate's a little different. I live 650 miles south of here. It's a little different down there. I don't even know where I was going with that, right? <laughs> I feel like Joe Biden, this is how Joe Biden feels during, during speeches, right? But don't justify your sin. You get into it with someone. Don't justify your sin. Don't always think that you're always right in situations. You mess up. You make poor decisions. You make wrong decisions. Admit it. Look at Saul. Famous account of Saul. Where Saul is, is, he's faced with his sin. Samuel comes to him. He was supposed to destroy the Amalekites. God told him to destroy them utterly. He left Agag, the king, he left him alive, left the best of the sheep, and he's going to offer a sacrifice for God. Well, that's not what God told him to do. God told him to wipe everything out. Look at verse number 18. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore, then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. So again, he's, he's, he's in clear violation of what God told him to do. Samuel comes up and said, you did not obey the voice of the Lord. And what does Saul say? Well, I did obey the voice of the Lord. Well, which part? You know, not, not the, you know, are we thinking about two different voices of the Lord? But you read the life of Manasseh. Uh, if you read the, the, the rest of that chapter in Second Chronicles, Manasseh tries to undo a lot of the bad things that he did and he caused in Judah. But we need to confess our sins to God. We need to have that, that a, a humble spirit whenever we get into uh, skirmishes or whenever we get into disagreements with people. Be willing to admit that you're wrong. right? And all the, all the wives are saying amen, right? Be willing to admit that you are wrong. 
Go to Romans chapter number 1. Confess your sins. Keep short sin accounts. And again, these are my own personal things that I try to apply to my life. It doesn't matter. You know, you get in an argument with your spouse. It doesn't matter if you're 100% right. That you're, you're, you're right. It doesn't matter if you, if you sent out and you polled 1,000 people and they were agreeing with you. It doesn't matter. Tell your wife you're sorry, right? Whatever. <laughs> but confess your sins. Be willing to admit that you're wrong. There was a man one time I was, uh, that I am close to. I was preaching him the gospel and, and we were talking about sinning and different things like that. And I asked him, I said, do you, you know, do you, he was a very prideful man. And I asked him, I said, do you not think that you sin? He's like, well, occasionally. I mean, it's, you know, kind of a rare thing, but yeah, I do. Come on now. And I'm telling you, this man had some glaringly obvious faults. He had a lot of hate in his heart towards a lot of people. Uh, there was a lot of people that he didn't like. There was people that if you even mentioned them or you brought them up, he would become so angry and enraged about those people, yet he sins rarely, right? You can't have that kind of spirit where you're right all the time and nothing you do is wrong. We need to have a humble spirit. But that confession to God, and that always, always tell our folks at church, I say always take an audit of yourself. Always take an audit of yourself and see where you're at as a Christian and, and take an honest look at yourself. Number two, let your prayers include thankfulness or just be a thankful person. Look at Romans 1, verse number 21. The Bible says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. And look what the next three words are. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise. See, there's your pride. These people think that they're wise. It says they became fools. But the Bible tells us that they were not thankful, that they had a lack of a thankful heart. If you have a, a, a lack of a thankful heart, you could start to think that maybe you're the reason that you have everything that you have. You don't have anything, folks, but for the grace of God. Nothing. You don't have salvation, but for the grace of God. You don't have your health, but for the grace of God. The Bible tells us that uh, that God, He holds our breath in His hand. You woke up this morning because God allowed you to wake up this morning. You have your mind. You think, oh man, I'm so smart. Who, who gave you your mind? Man, I'm, I'm so good at music, right? Who gave you your abilities, your talents? God gave you all of those things. Who gave you your strength? You talk about, oh, I'll work a job and, 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 and I make money. Who gave you your strength? Who woke you up that morning? Who gave you the strength to get up out of bed and to go to work and to work that job, that physical job? God did, not you. If God took all of those things away, if God allowed some, some disease or ailment in your life, man, you'd lose everything. God is, is the source of, of all things good. The Bible says every good and every perfect gift comes from God. We should be thankful for all things. 1 Thessalonians 5, you could go to 1 Corinthians 4, 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. People want to know the will, God's will for your life. Well, one of, it, one, of, one of His wills for your life is to be thankful. You say, well, that seems silly. No, it doesn't. It'll give you a thankful heart. Wake up in the morning. On your commute to work, thank God. God, thank you for waking me up. Lord, thank you for my mind. Lord, thank you for your word. You know, you, do, you read your Bible in the morning. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that you hear me right now. Lord, thank you that I can have confidence in your word, that there's no errors, that I've been exposed to the truth of the King James Bible. 
I thank you for salvation. You know, you talk about salvation. I married my wife, right? And, and she went to a Southern Baptist church, right? And the preacher that married us, I was not saved when we got married. She was not saved when we got married. And the preacher that married us, he talked to me about salvation, and I got saved from a Southern Baptist preacher, right? You're like, well, when are you really going to get saved, right? <laughs> but I was raised Pentecostal, right? I was raised that you had to be a good person to go to heaven. You had to ask for forgiveness. It's always that scenario. You're driving down the road and you have a car crash and you blurt out a curse word and you, if you died, then you'd go to hell. It's always that scenario. I got some ex-Pentecostals shaking their head. I've heard this from people all over the country, people that were raised Pentecostal. That must be just like the, the token uh, uh, loser salvation scenario, I guess. I don't know. But here's the thing. By the grace of God... I met that preacher, and that preacher preached me the gospel, right? And I got saved. Praise God for that, right? Praise God for that. I thank Him for my health. I work a construction type job. I thank Him for my health. I thank Him for my mind that's able to do, uh, you know, some of the some of the work. I think I'm try. I try to be thankful for a lot of the things that He gives me. So be thankful. So number one, confess your sins. Be willing to admit that you're wrong. Number two, let your prayers include thankfulness or just be a thankful person. Don't just thank God, you know, whenever you eat, right? Lord, thank you for this food, and I'll talk to you next meal, right? Be a thankful person. You know there's nothing wrong during your prayer time to just thank God. You know that? You know you don't have to ask Him for something every time you pray, right? God, here's my Christmas list, right? Number three, knowledge puffeth up. Look at 1 Corinthians uh, 4. Stay there. 1 Corinthians 8, verse number 1 says, Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Knowledge puffs up. It blows you up. You think about puffs up, thinking about blowing up a balloon, right? Who's ever heard of it? You get the big head, right? Recognize that you got that knowledge from someone else. No matter what you know. You have that knowledge because someone shared that knowledge with you. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 6. It says, In these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, and that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee differ, or to differ from one another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive. Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Do you see that? Hey, if you have any knowledge, you know, and, and we're bad about, because I believe in the post-trib rapture, right? And we're bad about looking at people that have not come to the truth of that. I believe that's what the Bible teaches, 100%. But we're bad about looking at someone that's not uh, gotten the same exposure as what you have, and you look down your nose at it. Like that there's some, some dumb bunny, right? Because they don't know as much as you. And you look down your nose at, at those type of people. You'll get people that binge listen to sermons. They'll get in their Bible. They, they binge listen to all sorts of sermons. And they've been saved for six months. And they'll go to a local independent Baptist church. And then they start schooling the pastor who's been the pastor there for 20 years. That's prideful, folks. That's arrogant. And it shouldn't happen. It's pride. 
You say, well, I know more than him. Well, there's some things that he can teach you, I can promise you that. So just uh, uh, learn something new, and it's called humility, right? <laughs> and sit down and shush. So go back to James chapter number 4. James chapter number 4. But again, I don't say these things lightly. Because pride will destroy you. And pride, will, it'll creep into your life and you'll never know it. You'll be the last one to know it. Everybody will know that you're prideful except you. It's not like you wake up one day and you go and you're standing in front of the mirror brushing your teeth and there's a, there's a, a stamp on your forehead that says pride. And you're like, oh, wait, I've got a problem here, right? Proverbs 3, verse number 34 says, Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace to the lowly. Look at James 4, verse number 6. It says, But he giveth more grace, whereof he saith, look what it says, God resisteth the proud. That literally means that he's standing in opposition to you, to someone that is prideful. And it says, But he giveth grace to the humble. Grace is unmerited favor, getting something that you don't deserve. You show me one of those men in the examples that I gave you that deserved a second chance. They didn't. They needed grace. And folks, we need grace in our lives. We mess up, we get things wrong, we say things in the wrong spirit. We need God's grace every single day of our lives, and we won't get it if we have pride in our lives. God's going to resist you. Pride's going to cost you, it's going to destroy you, it can hurt your service to God. It'll leave you blind to how you are. That's probably the worst thing. You'll think it's everyone else except for you. We need to have humility. The stories of these men alone should make us want humility in our lives. I need all the humility that I can get. I want to be humble as a Christian. And I told you that I would, I mean, I'd be fine if they would write that on my epitaph. You don't have everything figured out. Pastor McMurtry and I were talking about uh, some, some doctrinal type things the other day. And, and he, he made a, a fantastic statement. We don't know everything, you know. We don't have everything figured out. There was a time in my life, you know, people comb back, you could comb back in my sermon and be like, oh, well, he said this wrong and this is wrong and this is, okay, well, and? That's called being a human being, right? You're not perfect, you're not Jesus. And other people mess up. Others don't have the exposure to preaching that you have, that you've been blessed with. And you know what? Shame on us for not, not capitalizing on the preaching that we do have, Right? We want to jump on all these non-denom churches because they don't go out soul winning and all this stuff. They, they've never even heard of soul winning, have they? We skip soul winning. We won't even talk to anyone. We don't talk to our friends, our families, our loved ones. We won't witness to anyone outside of the soul winning time. Hey, and we know that we're supposed to go soul winning. We know we're supposed to read our Bible. You get somebody in some non-denom church, they've never heard about Bible reading every day. They just get this motivational you know, speech every Sunday. It's nothing. It's a bunch of fluff. That's all it is. It's some, I don't even know who Jordan Peterson is, but he pops up a lot. as some kind of motivational speaker dude, right? That's what churches have become. And you get a preacher that gets up and tells you, hey, you need to read your Bible. He tells you, hey, this is the Word of God. This is the mind of Christ. There's no errors. This is the Word of God preserved without error. And it sits on our shelves. Shame on us, right? And then we look down our nose. Oh, you're going to go to your rock and roll church with the purple lights? Oh, you're going to go to your independent Baptist church and do nothing that he tells you to do? That's even worse. So don't sit and look down your nose at all these non-denom folks when you're not uh, capitalizing on you know what, what's been given to you here. Have some humility. 
Have some humility. And other people are not, maybe they're not where you are. Don't look down your nose on people. Be humble. Have some grace. And you've got to think about it, especially if somebody's saved. Jesus died for that person. They love that person, right? That's one, of, that's one of God's children, just like you are. And I don't know about you all, but I don't like it when my kids fight. Right? You know what happens when my kids fight? They get spanked. That's what happens, right? You get a whipping in the South, right? <laughs> that's what you get down there. But I don't like it. And God doesn't like it either, right? So have some humility. And, and uh, again, it's very important. And I've seen... It destroy churches. I've seen it destroy marriages. I've seen it destroy people's ministry. Why? Because of pride. What does the Bible say? Pride comes before a what? A fall, right? You get someone that's eat up with pride. What does the Bible promise is going to happen to that person? They're going to fall, right? Say, well, I wish this would happen to this person. It doesn't matter. If they're prideful, they're going to fall, right? You don't have to mess with it. You don't have to... uh, 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 insert yourself into that process. God will take care of it and God will handle it, right? We just need to make sure that we're not going to be uh, on that receiving end of, of falling in God's judgment because of pride in our lives. But I want us to be humble. I want us to have a good spirit. He was talking about having a, a good testimony. Liberty Baptist having a good testimony. You should have a good testimony, right? They shouldn't go out door knocking and, and hey, we're from here from Liberty Baptist Church. And they're like, oh, does so-and-so go to church there? Yeah, they do. And they're like, oh, he's a jerk or he's whatever. And then you're like, oh, well, we must be not talking about the same person. It's a, diff- it's a different Austin. Yeah. <laughs> right? That I don't know who you're talking about. That No, no, no. Our Austin's completely different, right? That shouldn't happen because, you know, again, have humility. You represent... God, most importantly, you represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, he's the God of the universe. He's the Son of God, right? And he humbled himself, the Bible said. He humbled himself, and he went to the cross for us. And endured all sorts of, of torturous type things. I can't even imagine. But he did it for us. He humbled himself for us. We should walk in his steps. We should live humble lives God's going to give us grace. And when you do mess up, God, that grace will be there. God's not going to come down on you so hard, right, if you're a humble person. So be humble in your life. Because, again, I've seen the destruction that pride will cause. And I don't want it to... And it is the silent killer. And I don't want it to destroy this church. I don't want it to destroy this ministry. I don't want to ever think to myself... I don't want to ever flip on the, the, the Internet or whatever and say... Man, I'm not going to listen to that, that Pastor McMurtry guy anymore. Man, that guy's eat up with pride. That guy's so prideful. He's just, you know, he just has a bad spirit about him, and I don't want to hear anything he has to say. Maybe he understands all mysteries. Maybe he has all knowledge, but maybe he's eat up with pride. And I'm like, nah, no thank you. And let me tell you something. God's not going to bless a ministry with someone that is full of pride. He's just not going to do that. He's not going to bless a Christian that's full of pride. He's going to bring you down low. He's going to afflict you until that pride goes away, just like all of the people in the Bible. But it's something important that we should try to strive to do. Always look at yourself. You're not, you could read your Bible more. You could pray more. You could be more thankful. There's something that you need to grow in as a Christian. So always look at yourself and take an audit of yourself and say, where can I fix X, Y, or Z? If you'll do that and you'll stay humble and be open to correction, 
whether it be by the Holy Spirit, uh, through the preaching of God's Word, by some admonitions of a brother or sister in Christ, something you read, a, a peer that talks to you, something that you're open to reproof, you'll probably be okay, right? But if you're open to none of those things, you're right, everyone else is wrong, nice knowing you, right? <laughs> nice knowing you. Well, let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, and, and God, I pray that you would just help us to always look at ourselves and, and take a reflection of ourselves. God, make sure that we, we don't have pride creep up in our lives, Lord. It's so easy to do, Lord. We can, we can become prideful, and, and God, we're headed for a fall, Lord, if that happens. So help us to stay humble, Lord. Help us to always examine ourselves, and, and God, and keep that stuff, uh, keep that stuff out of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, man.